Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. Man, you all sing like a bunch of Jesus freaks. Like, that place, that place, the walls are shaking back there. That's good stuff, man. I'm so excited about what, what Jesus is doing in this place. If you were here last week, um, it was powerful what God did in this room. And uh, when you think about the things that are happening right now, in the last couple of weeks, this is what's gone on. We, we've, we've had uh, 27 kids at our, at our camp commit to Christ. We had uh, rededicate their lives to Christ. And then at our Windshape camp, uh, we had 18 give their lives to Christ. And, and now, now we have 40 and counting that are getting baptized uh, next week. And so that's, that's really huge. And I, to put it in perspective, like I've, I've worked at a few churches before I came here. And if you're baptizing like four people, it was a big deal. And the Lord is working here and people are coming to know Jesus and you're bringing your friends and, and Jesus is making a difference in their life. And so I'm really thankful for the season that we're in. Aren't you? It's good. It's good. Now, last week, again, we, we had a, uh, I believe, a, you know, God, he just showed up in the house. And this week, I think it's going to be um, equally as good as well, if not, not better, because we're going to cover some tough, tough territory um, that all of us will find ourselves uh, in from time to time in life. And Stephen Covey, in his, in his book, uh, Seven Habits of uh, Highly Effective People, number, number two, the second habit, is begin with the end in, in mind. And I'm a dad, most of, you, most of you know that, but what most of you don't know is that there were days and seasons that were really, really hard. And I would have to get up on this stage and talk about how good God is and how faithful God is and what we could and should do, but yet you know, uh, in regards to what I was seeing in regards to my kids and phases that they were in, it was just challenging. And we were up many a mornings at like two in the morning praying and making phone calls. And thank God the relationship has always been great with me and my kids. Um, but there were some tough days. And if, if you're a parent, um, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it's not for cowards. Uh, it's a hard, it's a hard job. If I'd also say, if you're trying to make your way into adulthood right now in this culture, you got your hands full too. So it's not an easy world that, that we live in. But one of the things that helped me was that on, um, on our worst days, I had an image in my mind and the image that I had in my mind was <clears throat> me and my wife sitting here, my two kids sitting here on the stage, and we would just process with you some of the challenges that we went through um, as a family. We would talk about where we got it right. We'd talk about where we got it wrong. 
and we would talk about the faithfulness of God. And all of it would be a message of hope and encouragement for the people that are here. Because a lot of times we look around and we see shiny people and we think everybody's got everything going right and they got their act together and everything is just lovely in their world but not lovely in ours. And what I will tell you is that life is challenging for everybody. And all of us will face dark days of the soul as theologians talk about. And us getting through what we're going through uh, depends on the grace and the mercy of God and the community that we've surrounded ourselves with. And what I will tell you is that the grace of God helped me get through some pretty difficult times, gave me wisdom beyond my own wisdom, and uh, the community of faith helped me get through some of, those, some of those seasons as well. And what I was saying is that with the cubby thing, it's like begin with the end of the mind. I had that picture, and it sustained me through the bad days to get me to the better days um, that God has provided us for. And when I focused on that day of deliverance, it helped me get through the day of despair. And when you and I focus on the day of deliverance, it gets us through the day of despair. And so many of us were focusing in on the day of despair, and it's just like a wave that's, that's crashing over us, and it keeps crashing over us. But if we focus on the deliverance of God, it will help us get through whatever we're going through. And before I, before I get into the story of Elijah, I want us to get a mental picture of him. So he is God's man of faith and power. He's unorthodox. He's a big, hairy guy, big, huge duck dynasty beard. He wears skin, animal skins. He lives out in the sticks. And God uh, uses him to bring course correction to a king that uh, is leading Israel away from God. And he brings a course correction not only to the king, but to the people of Israel, his contemporaries, his friends and his neighbors. And it's challenging. So he prays and there's a drought for three years. He prays and there's a dead kid that comes back to life. He prays on Mount Carmel and fire comes down from heaven. He prays and then it rains again. And we see him uh, out running a chariot like, you know, on a 14 mile, like half marathon stretch. And so we see God doing all of these incredible things through him to where when you looked at what God was doing in him, it was supernatural. Like you would go, oh, that's, that's, that's not human. That's not from this world. It was supernatural. And when Elijah goes through all of that, he then finds himself in this space, and I want you to think about this, where he's overcome by fear and exhaustion. He's completely worn out. And he's afraid. He goes into this season of what I would call desperation. It's a season where despair is in his world, and I would dare say depression is in his world. Despair is when you can function, but it's really hard, and it comes and it goes. Depression, it comes, it sets in, and it cripples you. And so we would see Elijah experiencing both of these dynamics, even when he's in the center of God's will. And as God was with Elijah through his season of despair and difficulty and desperation, he'll be with you and he'll be with me. The cool thing that I see about this is God doesn't give up on Elijah. He keeps breathing life back into him. When he finds himself worn out, exhausted, ready to quit and give up, God keeps showing himself to be a good God and a faithful God, and he keeps finding Elijah and he keeps breathing life back into him. And Elijah comes out of it of the situation on the other side, stronger. And so we picture Elijah on the other side of despair, 
God is speaking. Elijah pulls his cloak up over his face. He goes out to the edge of the mouth of a cave. And the voice of God said to him, what are you doing here? He's gone through all of this ugliness, fought through the darkness of the soul, and then God is commissioning him. He's saying, listen, what are you doing here? And you have a picture of Elijah's leather face in, in your mind where he is garnishing his strength to get up and to do what God has called him to do. There's hope when you look at his story. And the lesson about Elijah is that when we get down, we don't stay down. God won't allow us to stay down. He'll keep trying to pick us up, trying to move us forward, and trying to get us into that space where we need to be. And even the best of us, you need to hear this, even the best of us get discouraged. You go into the Old Testament, Moses, who was one of the, one of the greatest leaders ever, uh, he got so discouraged that he said, God, just take me out. I want to be done. And then you go into Jonah's story as well. He preaches this incredible revival. A bunch of people reconnect with God. They repent. And he's like, God, take me out. I'm done. And then you dig deeper and you see in the New Testament, you see Paul. He's ministering in Asia. And it says in Acts that he despaired even to his life. And then you get back to Elijah. Elijah, he, uh, he's doing exactly what God has got him doing. And Ahab goes back and he sees uh, his wife, Queen Jezebel, who is completely against God and God's ways. And he tells Jezebel, he's like, listen, honey, fire came down from heaven. Uh, the prophets of Baal have been put to death. The, the prophets of Asherah have been put to death. And so Elijah is trying to put an end to idol worship in the kingdom. He wants everybody to come back towards God and have a relationship with God. And then what's interesting is, is that Jezebel sends a message to Elijah. And she says these words, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. After Mount Carmel, Elijah's dealt with idolatry. He's dealt with the prophets of Baal. And now Jezebel wants to take Elijah's life. And what I would say is be careful when there are victories in your life because victories have a way of making us vulnerable. We've climbed these mountaintops and then all of a sudden something happens. Like when you go into the Old Testament, King David was blowing and going in regards to unifying the, the country, taking over land, bringing people together to worship God. And then he stays back when the kings went back to war and that's when he found himself in trouble because on the other side of success, oftentimes there's a cliff and victory can create vulnerability. Noah spends a ton of years building an ark, right? And so then he rescues his family. The flood comes, and then we see him on the other side of the ark after he and his family have kind of restarted, right? God's plan for planet Earth. We see him getting pass out drunk. Like he is drunk in his tent. This is the person that God calls and God uses. And so we need to be careful that on the other side of success, there is oftentimes a cliff. And Elijah's coming off of this mountaintop experience. Jezebel wants him dead. So it says that Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba and he left his servant there. Now that's an important piece of information. He leaves the one who was closest to him at Beersheba, while he himself, it says, traveled a day's journey into the wilderness. 
He came to a juniper tree, a broom bush, bush, and he sat down underneath it and he prayed, and it says in the scriptures that he might die. This is the person that God was using in an incredibly mighty way, and he wants to die. He's like, I've had enough, Lord. Ever felt that way? He's like, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And Elijah is afraid. He runs for his life. Beersheba is as far as you can get away. It's as far south as you can go. He finds a juniper tree, and he sits down underneath it, and he wants to die. How could this happen to somebody who was as courageous as Elijah? How could this happen to somebody who would confront a king on God's behalf? How could this happen to someone who, when he prayed, like dead things came back to life? When he prayed, it would rain. When he prayed, fire would come down from heaven. Who, under the supernatural power of God, would be able to run as he, as he ran? How could it happen to him? It could happen to him because every single one of us Stage to the back of the house. We all have to deal with discouragement. And when we experience despair and even depression, quick encouragement, it isn't, it isn't the cure. A God who walks us through the valley of darkness is the cure. That's why in Psalm 23, it's such a cool section of scripture that says, even when we walk through the darkest valley, we will fear no evil because you are with us. God is with us. So we don't need some pithy answer to get us out of despair and discouragement. We need a God who will walk with us through those dark days of the soul. Discouragement is this cloud that kind of comes into our world and turns minor problems into major issues. And it strikes the best of us. Charles Spurgeon, he was known as one of the greatest preachers ever. Still known as one of the greatest preachers ever. But he's frequently thought about quitting. And he had bouts of despair and depression. In a moment of honesty, he told his congregation this. He said, I have spent more days shut up in depression than probably anybody else here. Discouragement hits all of us. I'm thankful he didn't quit because I quote him probably at least once a month. But discouragement hits all of us. Martin Luther, the father of Reformation, the the one who is kind of credited for how we do church, the way we do it, uh, especially especially us as a Protestant congregation, like it's said that he would go into such areas of darkness that his wife would literally take all the knives out of the house and hide them because she was afraid he might take his life. He said for more than a week he was close to the gates of death and hell. He trembled constantly. He couldn't find thoughts of Christ, only of desperation and blasphemy against God. Mother Teresa talks about dark days of the soul that she experienced in Calcutta. A recent survey Barna took in 2022 stated that 42% of pastors right now are thinking about quitting. They're thinking about quitting because of the stress of the job. They're thinking about quitting because of the current political climate. They're thinking about quitting because relationships are so uh, difficult and challenging to have. Now, I don't need you to come out when you leave going, don't you quit. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, all of us struggle with despair and discouragement from time to time, and we have to realize that that's a fact. Even the best of us get discouraged, and the enemy wants you and I to get weary and well-doing. 
My grandma, she uh, immigrated from Poland. And I have her Bible in my office, and it's this little beat-up Bible. And if you open it up, you'll see in her handwriting, it says, don't grow weary in well-doing. And I look at that Bible from time to time, and I think about the life that she lived, and she didn't. And because she didn't, it encourages me. You're not alone in your despair. You're not alone in your difficulty. You're not alone in your discouragement. We have a God who walks through it with us, and the greatest Christians in history wrestled with it. But they got through it. And they got through it because they were carried by God and others through that season. That's why the church is so important. Because when we come together, you encourage me and I encourage you. And when I'm out of line, you bring me back into alignment. And when you're out of line, then I hopefully can help you come back into alignment. And there's hope. There's hope because we have a God who walks through the darkest valley with us and we don't have to fear an evil because he's with us. If you don't have a relationship with God, this is one of the strongest reasons to get one. It's one of the strongest reasons how could this happen to Elijah? Well, it happens to Elijah because he gets tired. He's exhausted. Now think about it. He's public enemy number one for a long time. Like every moment of the day, he would be thinking about his surroundings. He would be thinking that Jezebel has people that are out to kill him, and it would be stressful. So he would be tired and exhausted because his life was in constant danger. He's just come off of a Mount Carmel experience to where he's prayed and God has moved and he's been on the run and he's been on the move. And when we're tired, we just don't see things clearly. So it really helps us understand where Elijah's at. When we're tired, we don't see things clearly. Reminds me of the story of the wife who comes to her husband and she says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you because you're addicted to antidepressants. And he said, well, That'll work because if you leave, then I won't have to take antidepressants. Like, sometimes our thinking, it's just a little bit, it's a little bit off. And even when we look inside, it's a little bit off because we either inflate ourselves above where everybody else is or we deflate ourselves because of where everybody else is. We don't think clearly. And when we're tired, we lose our focus, and that's what happened to Elijah. He lost his focus, and when we lose our focus, we lose our way. And that's what happened to him. Another thing that happened to Elijah was that he separated himself relationally. Isolation, it fosters despair. Elijah, he hikes a day into the wilderness and leaves his closest companion behind. His closest companion should have been with him. Even when Jesus withdraws, right? He draws, withdraws in the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes three with him. Oftentimes, you see Jesus taking people with him when he, when he withdrew. Discouraged people, though, are incredibly lonely people. Discouraged people look for trees in the middle of nowhere that no one can find so that they can be left alone in their despair. Discouragement is when courage is taken out, and encouragement is when courage is placed inside of the heart and the life and Elijah is by himself, and he's at a place where it's discouraging. When you're in that place where your world is discouraged, maybe there's despair, maybe you're desperate, 
Find people who will put courage in. Go to God who will put courage in. Go to places that will put courage in. Get away from people that will take courage out. Get away from places that will take courage out. So Elijah, he isolates himself. Elijah's tired. But then he gets caught in this thing called the self-pity trap. And that happens when you're on the ropes and when discouragement is starting to set in. Self-pity tells lies to the person that is trapped. The self-talk becomes incredibly negative, destructive, and bad. Self-pity exaggerates everything. Like, nobody likes me. Nobody, nobody likes me at all. Well, here, let me help you with that. Not everybody's met you. Okay? So don't exaggerate. Self-pity fosters a victim's mentality. It's like Freud, if, if it's not one thing, it's your mother, right? It fosters, it fosters a victim mentality. And it unfairly compares. Like he's comparing himself to his ancestors. God never called him to be what his ancestors were. He called him to be the best version of who he could possibly be. Same is with you. You don't compare yourself to anybody but Jesus Christ. And your job is to be the best version of Jesus that you can possibly be. That's my prayer daily, is that I can be the best version of Jesus that I can possibly be. Self-pity creates these unrealistic expectation, expectations, and it increases the despair in our world. God's not going to leave us. He's going to walk with us through the darkest of valleys. Then he lay down underneath the bush and he fell asleep. Now this is the kindness of God. Then an angel touched him, it said, and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread and some hot coals over some hot coals. And so God, God sent him, an angel, to make bread for him. And so the smell of bread was in the air and there was a jug of water there. And so God sustains him. And then Elijah eats that and then he falls back asleep again. Then the angel wakes him up Again, God's not going to let him stay there. The angel wakes him up a second time and says, get up and eat. There's a long journey ahead because, you know, God is, God is trying to do something different with Elijah. Elijah wants to die, and God wants to revive. God wants Elijah and you and I to be restored. He wants us to be refreshed. He wants us to be invigorated for the road and the journey and the purpose ahead. And God incredibly speaks kindly to him. He doesn't yell at him. He doesn't bark at him. He doesn't belittle him. He speaks kindly to him. And he takes Elijah through a healing process. And that's oftentimes what you and I require when we find ourselves in despair. We need a healing process. So he got up, strengthened by what he had eaten. He travels for 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God where Moses had received instruction from God. And he went into a cave and he spends the night there. And so Elijah is hiding out in this cave. God's still doing a work in his heart and his life. And then the Lord appears to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here? Some of us, we've been in despair, in desperation, in depression for way too long. And the word of the Lord to us would be, what are you doing here? There's plenty of more ground to take. There's plenty of more territory that I've called you to. There's plenty of more people around you that you could be a support and a help to. There's 
a mission field of people to connect with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. What are you doing here? And he replies, and this is the self-pity answer, I've been zealous for you, Lord. The Israelites, they have rejected you. They've torn down the altars and put your prophets to death. And he said, I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Listen, some of that is true, but most of this is not. Why is he so depressed? He's really depressed because he can't change the people that are around him. And oftentimes, that's the source of our depression or our discouragement. We get so discouraged because we can't change the people that are around us. Listen, changing the people around us, around you, around me, it's not our job. It's God's job. Let's, hit, let's let him do that. Let's be who he's called us to be in the middle of it. So let's not get discouraged when people around us don't do what we tell them to do. They bend their knee to God, not us. And he's discouraged because he feels alone. And oftentimes discouragement creeps in when we feel alone. And if you're a child of God, you're never, ever alone. He's believing a lie. God doesn't validate his feelings the child of God is never, ever alone. The Lord said to him, go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then there is this incredible passage of scripture that I just want you to get a mental picture of this. Elijah is in the cave. The Lord is speaking to him, and the Lord says, come, to the, come outside. I'm going to reveal myself to you. And then there is this incredible wind, it says in the text of scripture, that blows through and it blows through and it shatters things and it's, it's powerful and it's impressive and it's eye-catching. But it says that the Lord was not in the wind. And then it says the earth started to move like there was an earthquake that happened. And then it says, but the Lord, he wasn't in the earthquake. And then it says there's fire that came and blew in. It says the Lord wasn't in the fire. And so many of us are looking for that kind of stuff. We're looking for this power move of God before we will be moved. And then it says in the text of scripture that then the Lord spoke to him in a whisper. God most often uses a still small voice when he talks to you and he talks to me. That speaks of relationship. He speaks in a still small voice to Elijah. And the message to Elijah is the same message for us. I'm not in the noise of the wind. I'm not in the earthquake and I'm not in the fire. I'm in the whisper, in the still small voice that says, I'm in control. I'm gonna give you exactly what you need when you need it. I'm with you in the middle of this. I'm gonna protect you and I'm gonna provide for you and I'm gonna be with you in the middle of uncertainty. And I'm gonna do things my way and in my timing. And again, there's that picture. Elijah, leather face, tired, being restored. But there's something in his eyes now. A little bit of life and determination is coming back. The pulse of the Spirit is coming back. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here? And then it's self-pity round number two. Listen, I have been incredibly zealous for you. 
The Israelites, they have rejected you. They've torn down the altars. They've killed the prophets, and now they're trying to kill me, and I am the only one that's left. God doesn't even really direct much attention towards that. He says, listen, I got a mission for you. I got a couple of kings that I want you to anoint because that's what prophets do. I want you, I got a job for you. I want you to uh, anoint and raise up your successor. I got a job for you. I got a mission for you. And the Lord told him to go back the way that he came. And then he said to him, he said, listen, by the way, there's 7,000 people that have not bent their knee to Baal. You're not alone. You and I are not alone. He draws him out of the cave of despair. He reframes his narrative, and he gives him the plan that he has for his life. And so then the question that God posed to Elijah is the question that you and I have to answer when we find ourselves in despair. Perhaps we're there right now. What are you doing here? Why are you hiding? Why are you holding back? Why have you let discouragement derail you? And then the bigger question on the heels of that is what are you gonna do about it? And what are you gonna let God do in you? What can we learn from Elijah? When we get discouraged, we need to prioritize rest. Elijah got tired. And when we're worn out, the world goes dark quickly. If you've raised kids, again, when they're tired, the world is dark quickly. With us, the world goes dark quickly when we're tired. That's why God instituted a Sabbath. And God instituted the Sabbath not just so that we could get rest, uh, on, so that we'd come into church and this would be considered rest. He instituted the Sabbath so that we could actually rest, breathe in, breathe out. God didn't need a Sabbath because he was tired. God put it in place because he knew that we would get tired. I like what Isaiah 58, 13 says about honoring the Sabbath. He said, if we honor the Sabbath, we'll find joy in life. And it says that we'll live the high life. And I don't know about you, but I want to have joy in my life, and I want to live the high life that God offers. And so I'm prioritizing rest. What do you learn from Elijah, develop godly go-to relationships. Godly go-to relationships. Those are fostered over time. Those are crockpot relationships. Those are relationships that you pour into. Those are relationships where you allow people to pour into you as well. We're built for community. That's why it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And if we don't have community, we will get discouraged and we will get picked off. So we learn from Elijah that we need to develop go-to relationships. And then we also learn from him that we need to allow sometimes when despair creeps in, this is super practical, when despair creeps in, we need to allow God to take us through a restorative process, whatever it might look like. For some of us, a restorative process means that we, we start getting serious again about our relationship with God and prioritizing time with the Lord in the Word and in prayer. For some of us, it means that we commit to being in church more than we've been in church, and not just being in church, but getting into the community and the life of the church. For some of us, we need a strategic, spiritual retreat. 
For some of us, our process may include professional counseling. It's wise to get a checkup from the neck up every once in a while. It's necessary every once in a while. I think about it and many of us, we have carried problems and burdens for so long, but listen, if your arm was broken, you'd go to the doctor and get it fixed. If there's something that's been reoccurring in your mental, emotional, spiritual state, go to a counselor and let them process it through with you. And don't cheat the process. It takes a minute, okay? How many counselors does it take to, to screw in a light bulb? Just one, but it takes nine sessions. You can't cheat the process. You can't one and done it. Stick with it. And then what do we learn from Elijah? Stay mission focused. People who help people get filled up quicker and they get up quicker. When we're discouraged, our tendency is to withdraw and retreat. And you know what brings healing and comfort into our hearts and our lives? It's pouring into the lives of other people. Find people to support and find people to serve. The secret of happiness, one of the secrets is getting our eyes off of ourselves, putting our eyes on God and doing the things of God here on planet Earth, which means serving people. And when we start serving, discouragement disappears. We get to decide if we're gonna be a caveman or we're gonna be a conqueror. We're getting ready to sing a song here and typically you would stand up and you would wait for it to get over. Some of you would engage in the worship, but some of you are going, ah, I gotta go get something to eat. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to sit and soak. The song that's being sung is called Run to the Father. And as you listen to the words of it, some of you just need to close your eyes and put your, put your, put your head in your hands. And I'm praying that this will be a holy and sacred moment for many of us where it's like the presence of God would restore, refresh, and invigorate what the enemy, the life the enemy has tried to stamp out of us. So let's do that. Let's run to the Father this morning. Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.